Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today for Superheroes of Science, we are here to welcome Marilee Lloyd. Marilee is a national laboratory planning leader. And um, we are so excited to have you here and, and talk about the role, what your some of your roles are. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. This is exciting. Now, you mentioned that you were an, you're an architect. Is I that am. like by is that the your background by trade? You were yes. an architect. Yeah, um, I uh, went to architecture school, um, um, and then over the course of my career. Um, pivoted and now specialized and have for, for honestly for most of my career specialized in designing uh, science laboratories. So it's both research labs um, like you might see for a, a company um, or for a university and also a university's teaching laboratories. So where uh, folks go to learn about chemistry or biology or any one of those many, many subfields. Okay. Well, I'm honest. I never thought about someone designing those. Me neither. I just, I guess, I thought they magically happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, they formed and hatched. Now, yeah. And it's it is super fun to do. I think it'd be stressful. I. That's a lot of work. Where do you begin with the planning? Where do, where do you even begin with the planning? Um, gosh, lots of places. Uh, um, it is uh, a series of conversations. Usually a client will come to us and say, gosh, I want to do X research, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I need a new building or I need an addition to my building and I want to do more of this chemistry, this kind of chemistry research, or I want people to be able to learn about uh, these life sciences. I want to have um, teaching spaces for for all of these these spaces. So they come to us and they say, okay, we want to do this. Or they'll come to us even earlier and say, hey, we're thinking about this building and we need to know what, where, you know, give us your thoughts on where science is going. So we can, we can have this conversation then about how, what's, what is important in science and where, you know, where students need to learn. What about science? You know, are, are more folks going into, um, biology and life sciences, or are there, how about the the uh, robotics and um, more engineering kind of focused things? We talk about, you know, the, usually universities will have a focus on what they want to to yeah. dive into, where their specialties are. And so we, we help them bring that out and develop it and develop good places for the science to happen. And um, part of that is the the learning laboratories and or the research laboratories and maybe a mix of the both of both maybe separate and also all those spa collaboration spaces and amenity spaces and all that extra space the office space the stuff that that makes the whole of the experience um fit together and um i like to think that as a whole our whole design team because i'm just one part of a big design team okay. um all of us together design and experience that is targeted in making 
the building that our clients want and the the users want. So we spent a lot of time talking to users and saying, okay, how do you do your work? And having them tell us. Sometimes they come to us and say, this is my problem. And oftentimes we ask a lot of questions and then get to what the real problem is. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, it's a lot of talking, just like I'm doing here today. So it's just talking to people. I, I like that you point out sometimes there's a perceived problem, then sometimes there's the real problem and how to make things. Right. Right. I, I we, we run across that a lot, don't we? Yeah. And I think the real the real goal is to learn how to listen. So, you know, that's that's one of those important life skills, I think, for all of us. Like I just did a whole lot of talking. And usually what I, you know, I ask questions and um, I like to listen to how people frame the answer. And then I'll ask a follow-up question or I'll ask the same question a little differently, maybe from this side. And, you know, just to start to understand things a little better. Now, we're uh, our backgrounds being mm-hmm. teachers uh, in the K-12 world. Uh, most of our science, well, it, it seems like it's starting to change a little bit. But yeah. most of our science labs are basically just classrooms. They're like, oh, yeah, you're teaching science in here. Have fun with that. But with more and more of the STEM academies yes. and the, the, I don't know how I want to say that, um, uh, not STEM, well, STEM-focused education places, mm-hmm. I, I do imagine more and more they're using services to help design those spaces. Right. And so what type of, whether, I don't know if there's a universal, more of a universal thoughts for people to consider before they, before they reach out. But uh, if I'm thinking about creating a, a science lab, whether I'm in high school or college, what are some of the important things like the safety or whatever that I might need to have an idea of first and foremost? Well, safety is super important. I mean, that's the primary thing, especially um, in a learning laboratory where where there are going to be younger students. So that that's sort of your first critical step in making sure that it's safe. Um, in um, I have done uh, quite a few K twelve science labs too. Um, our firm HED also does uh, K twelve schools, and so every once in a while they'll call me in when when they want to do a, a science lab, like a, anatomy and physiology lab. Or so, so I guess the question is, what kind of lab do they want to do? Do they want to do a basic science lab? And how fle- so? We'll start talking about how flexible they want it to be, how, what sort of different things they may want to teach in there. Um, and we'll, you know, I usually default to safety practices like an eyewash at every sink, mm-hmm. safety showers um, at the entrances and exits, and um, safety glasses, um, depending on what they're going to be doing. So all sorts of think practices like that. And and the safety equipment in all laboratories sort of changes with the focus and the the uh, and the safety requirements get more um, more onerous as you get as you need more safety. You know, the a a very safe contained laboratory may have layers and layers and layers of safety protocols and safety clothing, safety, you know, yeah. gloves, all that sort of stuff that one has to wear, you know, uh, just a, in an environmental suit at the greatest levels. So lots of different ways to to look at it and to um, make sure we do what's right for that lab. But, a, um, you know, a basic 
um, science lab that's going to be flexible, we can talk about, you know, are you going to do any uh, simple dissections? And do you want like a little bit of backdraft air to sort of pull oh. the, the stinky <laughs> away? Yeah. It might not be anything bad for somebody, but you might want to just pull that air away. So, you know, the room doesn't get so smelly. So lots of little things we can do to make the environment more friendly. Um, also, um, it, there's a lot of talk about things like science on display, you know, being able to see into the lab so kids walking by can see what's going on and they can see potentially the neat stuff that is being done in there. Um, maybe some of the instruments, um, uh, maybe just the, the way the, the students are collaborating around a table. Um, all that stuff, you know, can be on display or, or poster boards that, that indicate what the students are working on. So all of those things can be displayed either through, through the windows or in a display cabinet of some sort. So putting that sort of science on display is important. Um, we're also finding that it's important to, um, have spaces outside of the lab environment for students to, to work on their projects. You know, there's a lot of focus on project-based learning. So giving students a project to work together in a team. Mm -hmm. So they're learning collaboration skills in addition to learning how to, <laughs> learning science. So it's, it's sort of a multi-pronged approach, but they may need to do something outside the lab. So we, we want to provide those additional spaces outside that lab environment so they have that opportunity to work together. I, I, I've seen um, examples of that science on display, and I think that's a really neat, it's different than I, um, older style labs where I think it's more kind of mysterious. You know it's a lab, but you don't really know what's going on <laughs> versus the newer labs. There's a lot of glass. I feel like it looks really open and it's easier to observe in there. Um, how much, the, along with safety, how much planning goes into waste, like waste Ooh. in general, just waste removal or or planning for that or is that part of the process that's absolutely part of the process and um as you might expect as the the stuff that someone is using gets more hazardous the protocols for dealing with it get more uh detailed but always having a place well I, let me back up and say first and foremost we like to talk a lot about sustainability and being environmentally friendly, there's a thrust in both pre-K, um, uh, K-12, and um, some universities towards what we call green chemistry. So that's either using micro quantities or switching the 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 more hazardous chemicals to something a little less hazardous, so you don't start with those hazardous chemicals. So, so that's one approach, but having a place to collect all that waste and a safe way to dispose of it uh, separate from any normal waste is, you know, if you've got um, acids and, and flammables, you wanna make sure that those are kept safe and we keep those into, in specific cupboards and only allow certain quantities in laboratories. So we we manage that hazard. 
And that that really is a strong topic of discussion all the way through the building and you know, how those things get into the building, how they're stored near the loading dock, how they you know move to the lab, what that prep space is. And there's a whole lot of discussions even about the the prep space between, you know, if it's between or behind labs and if it's shared and how that works so that so that the preparation for the stuff done in the teaching lab is done safely and appropriately. Um, so it, it's very much like having in a research lab, the big open labs or have it and then having um, separate support labs that have a specific very a focused function mm -hmm. so different approaches and but similar <laughs> and i'm kind of simplifying it trying to simplify yeah, it but <laughs> that's totally fair yeah. but no it i'd never thought about i, I like how you term science on display i like how you term that because i've never thought about it that way but the more i think about it it's like the cheney building the yeah they, right all those new labs or that yeah, yeah it's, it is kind of you can see and there are areas outside all of those for collaborative work yes and yeah. i'm thinking even where some of my new faculty their lab areas i mean they seem like they have collection places where they can go is it very close to those well and, and in the and schools, they didn't use that. yeah in the schools too i remember um as i was leaving the classroom and 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 coming here the big thing was having your separate lab space and then your separate classroom space so that you could go from the lab and then to work on whatever you needed to work on with your groups but that it was where before I remember we would kind of do the labs right where we were learning every day anyways I think separating out that space absolutely you know yeah those are things that were thought of but you know and different um different labs need different support. I mean, a, a chemistry lab needs a little bit different sort of support, like morphine puts, for example, um, or snorkels or something like that. Whereas a biology lab or a botany lab or some other kind of lab may need less of that, but it may need something different. So, you know, we may need that backdraft to take away some stinky smells in the, in the biology lab. So, in the you know, or we may need a tissue culture space. Uh, so there's very different, which is a bio, and that includes a biological safety cabinet, um, a BSC is what we call them. So um, it's it's knowing which tools to pull out of the toolkit. Um, so I like to think about laboratory planning as a um, a linkage thing. So I work with our mechanical and electrical engineers to do the systems, who do the systems for the building. And um, I work with our clients and user groups to understand what they need to go into the building and make sure the two things sort of marry up. And um, I work with our, our other architects to do the all the different um, the outside of the building and make, you know, talk about where the windows should be. So we get daylight in because having space with daylight and views is, is super important to just having a good, good, well-designed building that makes people feel good. Mm -hmm. And we talk about things like biophilia and having those natural elements brought into the laboratory. Um, that's, it makes a, 
better building and a, a building that people like to be in. And so they learn better mm-hmm. or they do better research. Uh, what did you call it? Biophilia? Biophilia. Yes. I've not heard of this. Yeah. It's um, bringing natural elements into the built environment. So, and it doesn't need to be bringing um, a plant into your bio, your bio, your yeah. chemistry. It is maybe what you're doing is just um, bringing in one natural light, or maybe it's something that um, has a more natural element to it. Um, a, something on the wall um, that is um, easily cleanable. So maybe it's glass that has a film on it that that just has that etched into it. Maybe, you know, leaves and other natural patterns. Maybe it's um, the color of the lighting. Uh, so that's, it, it mimics daylighting but better. We're moving from fluorescent lighting often to LED lighting. And LED lighting can be tuned throughout the day so that it mimics the natural environment. Oh, how neat. Yeah. Wow. So. Whoa. Kind of, <laughs> how like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so you know, it, it's kind of fun. We get to do all this. We get to do all this cool stuff. How, why, what are all the, you mentioned there was like um, other architects, um, of course, your client, other architects, and you said some of the engineers, what all are different roles that, that would be within a team that you work with? Because I like uh, that you mentioned that the scientists working in teams and stuff. But mm-hmm. I know that it, years ago, a chemist used to just be like a chemist lab. But there's like isn't one of those anymore. It seems like all these different disciplines work together. And we tell students they work together and that's how the real world works. People mm-hmm. work together. And so it, what, would, you know, what would be example of a team for one of the projects you would work on? Well, um, I will tell you a little bit about a project. Um, we're excuse me, working on a new addition. Um, it's un- The building is under construction right now. It's an addition at Michigan Technological University, which is way up in Houghton, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. And it's uh, um, a new, what they're calling H-STEM building. So health, <laughs> health sciences building. Okay. Um, really interesting. And so our project team included myself as the lab planner and some folks who helped me with lab planning, because I don't do this by myself. Um, And then um, an architect who does a lot of the technical work and they have a couple of folks that work with them doing uh, things like um, the the drawing the, the exterior wall and understanding that section. There's a design architect who does the, facade and help works with me to lay out the whole of the building. So we are that person. And I talk a lot about where collaboration spaces should be, where there should be glass, where there should not be glass, um, what that glass should look, all that sort of stuff. And then there's a mechanical engineer and their team who does all the heating, ventilation and air conditioning systems there's an electrical engineer who does the lighting and the power and sometimes the data for the, the building and their team. So depending on the size of the building, that can be 20, 30 or more people mm-hmm. working together just on our team. 
And we have an interior designer too, who does a lot of the finishes and helps us in the design team select materials because I'll work with them to make sure that the flooring, for instance, works for the kind of laboratory it is. So lots of different teams and we all have to collaborate and talk to each other a lot. And we use our, um, what we call our Revit, that, that Revit model, that is our 3D model that we draw in anymore. That's, that's how we, we draw what we want to show. So we all work collaboratively within that three-dimensional model. Oh, wow. So, is so it's a big team. Is everything drawn out in the 3D now? It is pretty much. Project? And depending on the size of the team, we also have civil engineers. We have structural engineers who do the, the I should include them. Structural engineers will do the, all the columns and the steel of the concrete and how the building is actually how the structure of the building. Uh, landscape architects who do the the exterior landscape around the building. Civil engineers who decide on the cut and the fill. And the so it, it's a big team to bring. And then you get all the, the people who actually build the building. Yeah. And our users who we talk to. So is, are team. you usually being a, a design team? I'm just going to clump you all as a team for uh, science labs. Are you generally... Um, that not like just remodeling the lab is it you're designing a whole from the ground up process generally um we've we do both okay um okay. we do both uh and a lot of a lot of our clients are interested in renovating and reusing it it is a lot more sustainable really to reuse it where you can reuse an existing building and there are because a a, a science building has specific requirements and needs a certain amount of space for all the HVAC systems, the lighting systems, the plumbing and piping system, because they're special services. Um, it takes sometimes a little bit more space than other building types. So you got to make sure that it all fits in whatever building if you're doing a renovation. So it it that's a little bit more challenging to do sometimes but a new building has its own challenges do you have to have, i assume someone on, that knows or researches the regional uh -huh. uh, code requirements for each thing i'm guessing it's different different regions and different areas yep yes um from a both a sustainability and how we design the building and how that building should collect daylight how we light the building all of that changes based on where it is. So does how it's heated, how it's air conditioned, how much air conditioning it might need changes a lot. Um, our buildings in Southern California are a heck of a lot different than our building in Houghton, Michigan. Yeah, sure. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely makes sense. <laughs> yep. Well, I never would have thought of, I guess it's, once again, it's just something I hadn't thought of mm -hmm. that many different roles involved in designing right like I, yeah. I guess i just figured it was just one person sitting in a room like okay yeah we put it here it sounds good right put it there but uh <laughs> it doesn't work that way yeah. does it <laughs> no no there are a lot of conversations and a lot of back and forth um and you know it's it is a uh, buildings today and not just labs buildings today are super complex critters just really really deeply complex and so it does take a lot of 
collaboration and coordination. And we we have a lot of tools that help us make make it, um, I don't know, easier, um, better, and faster. Um, but it's still a lot. It, the it, what it comes down to is talking to each other, listening, and and learning how to put this all together. That is awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Thank yes. you for uh, enlightening us on this. This is a very interesting topic. Yes, it, it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down!